Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 75 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean Ayers, and I am joined as ever by my co-host, Sports journalist Liam Hap, good evening to you, Liam. Glad you took my little telling off to heart in the last episode. That those intros are starting to get a little bit more polite. I happy. tried myself to sleep that day. That was your turn on the naughty step. Mm-hmm. But at least you didn't go on there for saying. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That that bad word. That word. That word. Sorry, our American listeners. To our British listeners, you probably hear it a dozen times a day, let's be honest. Yeah, but, you know, a, a good a good proportion of our listeners, in fact, I can tell you, I, I was looking at our stats, and 39% of our listeners come from the United States. So, you know, that's a big old chunk. But we, yes. we have to, you know. Um, also, obviously, the big hat tip to the 0.88% who come from parts unknown. You know who you are. Yeah, the ones with the masks. Not not those kind of masks, obviously. We're all wearing masks these days. Yeah, Do you know, I, w- I went into uh, went into a shop this afternoon and it was raining, so I was wearing a, a hoodie and uh, I pulled the hood up just to keep my head uh, dry, and then I had to put my mask on. And basically, the only, uh, you know, the only part of with the, with the hoodie zipped right up, you, literally the only part of me you could see were were my eyes. And I just thought, if I had walked into this shop dressed like this a year ago, they'd have probably phoned the police. But now it's like, oh yeah, come in, sir. Just please tell me you didn't form a two finger point inside your pocket while you were there. No, no. You all your money. I, uh, I just brought some uh, brown rice pasta because uh, that's the way I roll. Also criminal behaviour. Yeah, not when you're not when you're a wheat spaz like me. You have to uh, you have to get your roughage where you can. But um, not like that. also not like that. Um, also, I just want to say thank you to to all of our listeners uh, because September was our uh, best month ever. Busiest month ever, most downloads ever, however you, you, you want to word it. You're not Shiavani in this, are you? This I is am not hyperbole. In the history of this great podcast, Liam, September was the busiest month we've had in the three years we've been around. So, oh, wow, you actually meant big, it. I did a genuinely big thank you from the bottom of my cold, dead heart <laughs> to all of our listeners. But, uh, but yeah. So, uh, so we're we're in we're in October. We've got the had the heating on. It's it's getting it's getting wintry. It's it's we're we're coming into that time of year. Yeah, I was crying when I knocked up the thermostat for the first time this year. Yeah. It felt too early, but here we are. The little ones got a li- little bit of a head temperature and a sniffle. So, thankfully, it looks like you're more traditional cold as opposed to COVID. But you know, there, there's going there's going to be times where in in the situation you, you feel you feel right we could get to a situation where covid becomes a thing you get once a year like the flu don't you yeah yeah but i i do think following on from the uh, prime minister's briefing today i think we should uh, follow his lead and have a three-tier warning system for uh, for when we start watching uh, wcw i think it should go from dodgy to wcw to the highest level which is of course Russo, and, and I think if we can adopt that as maybe a, a warning to our listeners as to how uh, how nonsensical each pay per view that we cover is. Well, if we're going to do it in the true spirit of Boris Johnson led ideas, that means that by the time we record our next episode in just over a week, we will have either ditched it completely or tweaked it beyond recognition. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, while while my father does what the fuck he wants. So um, yeah, that's that's all good. We are, by the way, we are we are trying to just uh, 
cross the T's, dot the I's and all that. But we are hoping to be able to have a Halloween Havoc review in time for Halloween. For once. Which, for once. Since, which since be... we've... We ha- so this will be the fourth Halloween we've encompassed in our time since we started in September 2017. And I feel like we've already covered like eight of the, what, dozen tops Halloween yeah. Havoc. So, well, I, think, I think there were a dozen, weren't there? 89 to 2000. There Something wasn't a like, gap yeah. year, it was one of the few no. that went the distance. So we're talking 12. Yeah. I want to say we've done seven or eight already. We're running out we, we, of Havocs. Havocs are popular. They're definitely very popular. But, um, yeah, we um, we haven't, I don't think we've done one over over the um, over the actual Halloween period yet. So that will be uh, that'll be good fun. Um, I think, hopefully I think Stu Allen will be calling you up and threatening you after that. I think we, we did 91 with the Dominator. Like, adjacent to Halloween. Oh, did we do that? Uh... Chamber of Horrors. Oh, actually, we did. I'm looking here. We did. We, we The two of us just looked at Halloween Havoc 98 at Halloween in 2017. Oh, there you go then, Dean. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. You're talking nonsense. And you're well, dragging you know, me down with you. In the, in the history of this great sport. And then, yes, Halloween Havoc 91 with Dominator Stu Allen was the middle of October. So uh... Close enough. Nearly. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. But anyway, we are doing a Nitro watch along this evening. Um, if you would like to join in watching along with us, then this episode is from the original broadcast date of. April the 22nd, 1996. Um, and and it is significant because, Liam, we have just passed a, a milestone, haven't we? we? We have escaped the danger zone. Hulk Hogan, at least in his overbearing camera... Well, he's always camera hogging, but to the, to the stage where it's just too much to handle and it's almost depressing to watch... The yellow and red will not be back on our screens until if we somehow make it to a point where these watch-alongs reach uh, August 1999. And, you know, we'll do this for as long as we can. But when we get to the three-hour era and also the point where those though gets really difficult to be wa- to watch, I am not sure we will still be doing these. But we'll see how long I, it lasts. Yeah. Indeed, I think three hours is, is is asking three hours is asking quite a bit of a podcast, unless of course Robert Nichols your guest. So um, yeah, we we've got the uh, the the recording all queued up here uh, on zero 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 zero. Um, so Liam, are you ready for some burning buildings? Uh, well, it is a bit cold outside, so I think that's a good idea. Fair enough. Then we will go in three, two, one, play. There's buildings. And they're burning. They are burning. Oh, wow. Hulk Hogan has been set alight. Or is that just how it plays off in my mind? Maybe. Explains the tan. I wonder if uh, they change that intro once he uh, once he turns heel. That would be interesting. No, he we'll probably has that. it in his contract to be there at all times, prominent. This is true. Right. So, how long before Bischoff has a go at, has a pop at WWF? Because they are, as he's just said, the only live wrestling program this Monday. Well, there you answer your own question. That's, that's far too subtle for Eric Bischoff. Yeah, Come not on. as belligerent as we know he'll get to, but, you know, it's still technically the first dig. Oh, for fuck's sake, what's that poor dog got? The, he's, <laughs> he's got his dog wearing, like, googly eyes on springs. That poor dog must be terrified. Yeah, you bring up a fair point, but I'll be honest, Dean, this is the first time I've actually laughed at the outfit. That is, that is a funny visual. That dog is thinking, what's going on with my eyes? What's happening in front of me? And all... Someone stop this torture. 
also Mo- Mongo is kind of gesticulating with his arms and nodding his head, going along with the points Bischoff is making at the minute. As he does so, he's moving the dog gently, and it's making the eyes bounce up and down. And that's also making me lose my composure. Oh, so uh, we're reminding us that the yeah the macho man got arrested last week. There's there's a close up of that poor dog. Uh, Has he got a cape on as well? I think. Yeah, Mongo Mongo saying that um, his eyes are popping out the same way that the Macho Man's eyes are popping out because if you've got your commentary bingo card ready, the Macho Man is crazy. Ric Flair is antagonising him beyond the point of sanity, and also, what is up with Sting and Lex Luger? Well, we, we have a line. To that? Yeah. Oh, here you go. The World Whining Federation. A taped show happened a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he's going to give us the spoilers. The RuPaul impersonator. The transvestite gold dust. So we've got, we've got 1996 Eric Bischoff basically being J.K. Rowling. He's literally just read out the results of Raw. That is amazing. I'm sorry. I still, I know we've heard it before. I know it's happened before, but it's still, it still just blows my mind. I, I mean, it's, I, I know the Goldust character, unfortunately, by design, brought out a lot of homophobia. Ooh. But, um, Bischoff taking it a step further here with uh, with the the transvestite. Oh my god, it it was a different time, would you say? It, it was definitely a different time. So Public Enemy have come out after their um their brawl last week with the Nasty Boys. Different opponents this time around, very different style. We've got the American males who, while the Nasty Boys were very similar in many ways to Public Enemy, I think. I think the American males couldn't be more different if they tried. Which isn't a bad thing either, Dean. When you've got like the clean-cut, traditional American wrestling babyfaces and the uh, the down-and-dirty, brawling, cheating, weapon-loving public enemy, you, I think that's an easy story to tell. I'm not saying oh, the match yeah. will be any good, but it's an easy story to tell. And we've started with uh, the American males being jumped by uh, Public Enemy. Yeah. And we're also told that we've got Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit up next, which should be pretty good. Yeah, albeit maybe the third or fourth time on Nitro those two have gone at it. But hopefully it'll be another good one. I see uh, Public Enemy have got the, the fake hockey jerseys again. Rocco Rock has double zero on his. I can't make out that number on Johnny Grunge's. Can you, Dean? It's uh, it's it's sixty nine, Liam. Nice, nice. So yeah, t- typical start. Uh, blindside from Public Enemy. Males have reversed it. Drop kicks and plunges. Yeah, you know, this is this is babyface wrestling one hundred and one. Yep. Although uh, mid well early nineties babyface WCW, I'd have expected a couple of arm drags and a drop kick in there. Oh, there was but a couple of drop on. kicks, but you're, you're spot on about the arm drags. It's lacking arm drags. They loved their arm drags in WCW. It was clearly the first thing you were taught in the power plant. To, in their defense, a lot of the early WCW years were built around one of their top three baby faces being Ricky Steamboat. So, yes, arm drags are going to be on the fucking menu and you're going to like it because because no one did them better. No one did better, absolutely. No one sold better than Ricky Steamboat as well. It was always that perfect combination of a good snap on it, so it would smart a bit, but he'd he'd use them to outsmart and outquick his opponent. And and they'd throw, Rick Rude would like throw a tantrum after taking a couple of arm drags. Ah, those good old days. There's a drop kick. So we've had a couple of hip tosses (laughs) and a drop kick, a double hip toss, a double drop kick. By the males on uh, Rocco Rock. Scotty Riggs is going for the cover, but Nick Patrick's too busy telling Riggs to get back in. I think he's put him in the wrong corner. I'm pretty certain he's put him in the wrong corner. Okay, so we've not had an arm drag yet, and I'm sorry about that, Dean. But will you accept a few hip tosses in their stead? 
Yeah, that's pretty close, you know. That'll do the trick. Yeah, you know, if they have, if beef's not on the menu, then the lamb will do. If if you ask mum for an arm drag and she says we've got arm drags at home, what have you got at home? Probably a hip toss. Yeah. Ah, oh, so have you have you ever heard the? Uh, it was from years ago, the Eddie Murphy uh, welfare burgers routine. It doesn't ring um, a bell. It was either on either on Raw or Delirious. It was a D, D, DVD VHS that he did at the time of his stand up, and it was it was basically about how how um they his mum wouldn't let them have McDonald's because they could make them at home, and it would basically be making burgers out of minced beef and uh, two slices of bread and and uh, and ketchup, and it's a lot funnier than I'm making it sound, which is why I'm not a stand-up comedian, basically. But it is, it is tremendous routine. Well, I appreciate you trying to find the, uh, the mid-90s reference to it, even though you almost besmirched it by bringing up DVDs. But yeah, in, in modern days, it's, I don't know if you've seen it, it's actually become one of the more popular memes where people take a couple of pictures and do it with their mum saying, oh, we've got these at home. Ah, I have not, I have to say. You're missing out. Meme-tastic. So, uh, back in the ring, we've got Public Enemy now taking over on uh, the males with some roughhouse tactics and kicks and punches and chokes. Yeah, Bischoff is plugging uh, the next pay-per-view slamborees, talking about the lethal lottery and the, the eight-man battle bowl that the winners of the lethal lottery matches will enter. Something about Hawk and Animal being drawn against each other, I think. Now, wasn't that the one where they, they'd made it so unbelievably horseshit and hokey that like all of the, everyone that everyone that hated each other were drawn against each other and tag teams were drawn against each other and it was just too much the other way. Yeah. Um, uh, they had Macho Man and Ric Flair on the same team. Who? What, what are the odds, Dean? Yeah. Because did you know that Macho Man Randy Savage is going insane because of all of Ric Flair's provocation? Yep. He's a madman. Yeah. I've been reliably informed about but, but Liam, times. But Liam, what's going on with Sting and Lex Luger? What is the deal with them? Nice crossbody off the uh, corner by Bagwell. Gets a two count because uh, John, Ronnie, Rocco at Rock even uh, makes the save. Famous last words. But this has been all right so far. It has. It's been a kind of just a paint-by-numbers regular tag match you know but the crowd are responding because th- those those basic formula templates are basic formula templates for a reason yeah and sometimes a show needs a bit of that yeah well it does make me wonder what uh your, your diehard ecw fans would make of this because while this is your basic tag match, it's a million miles away from what they were doing in uh in ecw there the brawl all over the building matches which which were fine for main events but obviously you wouldn't want in a, a mid-card match or an opening match like this so yeah. what they're doing here for the environment they're in is absolutely perfect yeah i mean here's the thing like ecw fans kind of prided themselves on the fact that while they did get bloodthirsty and love a, a barbed wire match and table massacres and things like that they also pride themselves on the fact that you know, the guys like the Scorpios and the Guerreros and the Psychosis and the Rays mm. would be in there doing great matches. They they, uh, they were the first set of fans to really openly talk about how they wanted a good show the same way yeah. a booker would try to put together a good show and manipulate the audience. So you would think that they would be smart enough to know that this is absolutely the right thing for them to be doing, especially a week removed from the Nasty Boys brawl. I don't think they would be. I think they would be blinded to thinking that they've WCW taken our guys and making them do this now or something. That was, it, that was how I, it felt to me a lot of the in time. In the same way that a football team supporter only thinks the goal was offside if it went in past their keeper. And exactly. It's, and it's fair game if it means they get a goal and they get trophies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So sounds about right. It's the same sort of uh, ridiculous tribal entitlement, isn't it? 
Because mm. don't forget, you know, ECW conditioned their fans into hating WWF and WCW and taking the piss out of WCW. Oh, absolutely. And they kind of, they, they get less of a thing about it because obviously that's the only thing they could do to survive. Whereas if a big company does it, it comes across as much slimier. Yeah. Okay, so we have had a really kind of cheap DQ finish where they've thrown Scotty Riggs over the top rope and that ridiculous WCW rule of a disqualification for throwing an opponent over the top rope has happened. And they've now set up Riggs on a table on the outside and I think we saw this last week. The drive-by. The double drive-by where um, yeah, Rock Rock lands on top of Grunge and they both go through the table on top of um, on top of Riggs. Mongo has admitted he has no idea what that move is called, while uh, Bobby Heenan has offered up Public Enemy Buffet. <laughs> Excellent. What's, what's their job again? Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain. Like, uh, by all means, correct me on social media at because WCW. By the way. Um, if I've got it wrong, but I'm almost certain that there was a move that they used called the drive-by, and I believe yeah, that, it was that. Well, the the drive-by in ECW was yeah was going off the top rope through a table. I think it was just Rocco Rock on his own. It might, but, but that's I think like it a was double a double drive-by. team. But I'm not sure. That, that, yeah. that, I stand to be corrected absolutely. But as but, you but said, it was that move basically. But yeah, yeah off the top rope. because you know with ECW. Weapons were so fair game, you had finishing moves like the Van Daminator. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Benoit Guerrero next, it seems, just as you said. So you think this is the third time they've met on Nitro? Um, I've not got an exact count. They've definitely wrestled at least once or twice before. Yeah. And you see, this is this is the interesting thing with this, because... Obviously, pre-Nitro, as we as we discussed in that episode a few weeks ago with Finley Martin, that Nitro changed the face of TV by having all feature presentation matches and no squashes. So by that nature, you are going to get repeat matches and not just like build rematches from an angle, but actual just just people happening happening to face each other, sort of randomly more than once if you see what I mean yeah I'm just waiting to see how long Mean Gene can go here without being lecherous he has two young ladies one either side of him he's talking about the lethal lottery so this may be the drawing I think he said yes the names for the first round so did we have more than one round of this you might be right it's been oh here we go Hugh Morrison well, Meng versus Barbarian Bobby Walker. I well, should do gonna, my. Uh, that's going to get pay per view buys, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I should do my Graham Kelly voice, shouldn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the FA Cup draw. Oh. Oh, we got a tag team together Scott Norton and Ice Train. And I'll face Stevie Ray and Big Bubba Rogers. Yep. So apparently those ones were already done and now they're going to do the rest in public. That that doesn't look shady at all, does it? Not at all. Uh, it's all in an and envelope. Then... And apparently Mean Gene doesn't know how to open an envelope. Rick Flair. Um, yeah, and obviously uh, we don't see the envelopes because he's just reading out the names he's been told rather than uh, anything else. Well, there you go. Flair yeah. and Savage teaming up, as you said. And that's got a big pop. And, uh, and yeah, I mean... The, yeah, and Arn Anderson's on the other tag team. <laughs> and he's got mean Gene read that name girl. out without even opening the envelope, basically. Yeah, it's so... Obviously, this is why they wanted to do part of the drawing public, because they wanted to get a pop for that unveilment and have it as part of live TV. As far as the parlor tricks go, as you said, like, with the with the envelopes and that, I'm guessing what what would be the go-to trick there? Do you write all of the match-up on every, uh, every envelope no, you'll, just you'll to be just... safe? You'll have blank. You'll have blank envelopes. And but you why just, would um... you? Why would you? I mean, Mean Gene's a professional. Don't get me wrong. 
But why would if if I was producing, I wouldn't leave it to chance. You write the whole tag team match on all the cards, so whichever just, all they get read out in, you've got it there as like a safety net. Do you, do you know what earpiece. I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, you don't need to. You got an earpiece, so your the producer will tell you the name to read out. Yeah, but the earpiece was knocked out when the uh, the ladies breathed in his ear and made him go all do lala. <laughs> See, it used to be we used to do that with um with live events where we do like a, a an alleged random drawing and you just get... admit that my idea was clever and be done with it, all right? Dave? Your idea was clever, Neil. <laughs> um, but we do a random drawing and you'd basically get. You no know, numbered balls in a in a pot, and you'd get members of the audience to draw the balls out. But you would just say, right, you know, Liam, you're the first wrestler out, and Dean, you're the second wrestler. So whichever number someone draws, whatever the number is, the first number drawn out, you say that's you, and the second number drawn out, I say that's me, and, and that's how you work it. That would be the lamest start to a Royal Rumble in wrestling history, by the way. <laughs> how how would we get through that first two minutes? With great difficulty. <laughs> I just realised something, Dino. Um, Eddie Guerrero just happened to be drawn for Slam Bree, where he has to team with a horseman and wrestle against a horseman. And would you, Adam and Eve, it that his match right now, Is after against? the draw, that was already announced as happening before the draw, happens to be against a horseman? Mm. Crazy. Oh, did you talk about arm drags? Did you see the snap on that arm drag? That Backstage, was... the two of them were clearly thinking, what the, what the fuck are they doing, the males? Hip tosses, Will Sherman has done. Yeah. But my God, the, the snap on that arm drag, I've literally never seen anyone go over that quickly. Tell you what, that, that was a blur. Yeah, they, they have just paid tribute to both of the things we gave Steamboat and Rude credibility for. Both, both the, as you said, the snap, the intensity of that arm drag, make it look like it does take something out of the guy receiving it. And Benoit did a pretty good job of just looking really incensed and embarrassed and showing up like Rude always used to and other heels always used to. Yeah, and he's just taking Guerrero down with a hair pull. And, you know, I'm, if uh, if our old friend Alan Cheapshot is watching, is watching or listening to this, please make a gif of that arm drag. That was sensational. Make a gif of the arm drag and actually show up to record a podcast with us. <laughs> if anyone is wondering why that old episode, The Great American Bash 1990, was, was a two-man with no guest. It was going to be Alan Cheapshot, but he pulled out at the last minute and we were like, you know what, we want to do an episode. So <laughs> We've already watched the show. We've already endured El Gigante wrestling. Hey. Yeah. That should, no one should ever have to watch an El Gigante match without some sort of compensation, some sort of product, productivity at the end. Or, or just alcohol. Or alcohol. Alcohol's a good show. Yeah. Why have I not got drunk for half of these episodes? <laughs> I think we, we need to for the Russo ones. Beautiful head scissors. Kind of modified Hurricane Rana from Guerrero. Yeah, this and that is... gets a good pop from the crowd as well. They aren't too familiar with this style of wrestling, are they? Absolutely. And not only are they providing the, the sort of high caliber wrestling we expect from them, but I liked how they, they started. Did you see that they did the lockups in opposite corners where, you know, Benoit did a clean break and then slapped him patronizingly mm. across the face. And then Eddie Guerrero returned the favor. And that led to the, to things getting tasty and the arm drags and the, you know, so there's psychology as well. This is already a step above yeah. the, they had a couple of, I mean, they've definitely wrestled a few times on the opposite side of a tag team match and yes. everything they've worked together on this watch long run has been good. But I, I mean, this is, they're, they're putting a little sauce on it now, which I like. Yeah. I mean, we just had their um, Benoit, beautiful German suplex. Benoit trying to do just a side backbreaker onto Guerrero. And he was like blocking it just by dead weighting himself and then grapevining the leg. And then he switched it and did a belly to back suplex on Benoit. And just little touches like that make it look legit, really. It, and yeah, this is, this is what Benoit was, was great at. And, you know, obviously we all know what what happened with him and, and why he's never going to be in a hall of fame and all that kind of thing. And totally appreciate that. But 
talking just purely about what we're seeing in the ring here. He was a master of making what he was doing look real. You could you could have someone walk into a room who wasn't a wrestling fan, watch that, and not tell you it was all a load of bullshit, basically. Well, ultimately, that that was the whole thing. That the the bottom line of the tragedy was that the very same things that that fueled his passion and made him so good and made him work so hard were the things that made him abuse drugs and take too many bumps to the head, and mm. and and it all added up. And that's uh, and it's it's changed the way people think about hard workers and desire, if you think about it. But you you absolutely spot on with what you said about fighting over a move. If you think about, not only would I like to see more wrestlers do a little bit more of that for realism's sake. I mean, surely, and you'd know this as the guy on the inside, Dean. Wrestlers would probably buy themselves extra time to plan stuff out extra time to catch a breath if they did little things like fighting over a hoist and, and like less that. yeah and less bumps as well it's oh and benoit gets the pin with a uh with a kind of a, a, a cradle but he was holding the ropes in the corner so um ironically the sort of thing that, that the lovable rogue Eddie Guerrero from WWE would do, but Benoit gets the win and then immediately throws up the horseman sign. And yeah, I don't think we're a million miles from Eddie Guerrero adopting the cheat to win philosophy in WCW because we are at a stage now where in 94 we said that, especially on his Nitro appearances, he was shining as a, you know, a, a step above the rest of the mid card, you could say. But I think we're starting to enter a, a phase here where he will start to tread water. And he will do so for a little bit of time. I remember we got a, a, an admittedly great feud with DDP coming up later this calendar year, which really showcased DDP and elevated DDP. But, but Guerrero didn't get, even when he won the United States title at Starcade, it was, it, it was a backdrop for DDP and the Outsiders, if you remember. Mm. So... Yeah, he he'd be treading water, unfortunately. Even though he was one of the one of the main names that really enhanced themselves with Nitro. Now, I mean, Gene is back on the ramp with a middle-aged man in a suit who's clearly not a wrestler. And who have we who have we got here? Some we we're just about to tell. I wonder if he's Mean a, Gene will let over him. He's vice president with the front office, apparently. Rob Garner, his name, don't know who he is, apart from a big wig in WCW, a vice president of some sort, talking about the Macho Man. Oh, yeah, because the Macho Man's going to listen to what a middle-aged suit tells him to do. Yep, and here comes the Macho Man. He's not dressed as, as uncontrollably as usual, actually. Well, his, his seamstress is uncontrollable. Look at that. I just, I just like the idea that he's out. He's insane because he's wearing less gaudy colours than usual. If you could make a, a laser security trap system, you know, laser beams that are hard to go yeah. through. If you could make that with gold glitter, that's what the Macho Man's wearing. Now the Macho Man is trying to intimidate this middle-aged man in a suit, Rob Garner. It's a. He's got to behave himself, or the ramifications to his career will be severe. <laughs> Just before I could mock him for using ramifications and cease immediately, uh, Macho Man's straight on him. Talking about the guys at City Hall. What? What is this? An old episode of the Spider-Man cartoon? I don't know. Ironically, he would appear in a Spider-Man movie about seven years after this. He would. He's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it, and no one's going to stop him. I'll beat City Hall, and then I'll blow it up. So I think that's actually, these days, that would be a uh, a threat of terrorism. Yeah, basically, he he's responding to this really wiry, middle-aged bald man with threats of terrorism. Yeah. He's being 
He's now being recommended to seek professional help. Matcha man now telling him that he needs a psychiatrist and he's standing like a little, little, little <laughs> stupid person. And Rob Garner is now rolling his eyes. He's now threatening to uh, slap this man. And he's he's really not conveying any fear. Not really. The only person who's really playing his part well here is Mean Gene. Yeah, because I, I always felt that Mean Gene was much better at handling. When, when a wrestler gets belligerent or aggressive with him, he would, you know, he'd stand firm per his character. But he'd still sell that, he, you know, he... he He's very much in fear of getting beaten. He'd always threaten legal action, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd shout at them to try and stand his ground, but he'd, he'd have that little break in his voice where he is kind of hoping he doesn't have to call his lawyers because he's had the shit beaten out of him. Yes. So we're just going through what's on a Saturday night, on Saturday, obviously, which um, features Stephen Regal against Dave Finlay, the Belfast Bruiser, which is always an entertaining match. Actually looks like a cracking episode. Mm. Sting and Luger versus Heat, Regal and Finlay. Should we change this to Saturday night watch-alongs? We could always do a Saturday night watch-along. Well, hey, what's the deal with Luger and Flair? <laughs> now, we, uh, we have a change of pace, I think we can say, from... From that cracking, albeit short, but cracking match between Benoit and Guerrero, we now have Meng v. Jim Duggan. Well, whatever we have here, I just hope it's watchable. I'm not expecting a four-star match, but if these two guys can just entertain and not outstay their welcome, uh, this episode's on a roll so far. Yeah. Come on, don't let the pass-fail system down, fellas. Oh, so, um, yeah, you heard that as well. Yeah, obviously. we've got a, our main event, which is Flair and the Giant v. Luger and Sting. Whoever pins, whoever wins, it's all the belts are on the line. So, if Luger and Sting lose, then Flair and the Giant become the new tag champs. Or if Flair gets pinned by Luger or Sting, one of them will become the world champ. Apparently, the TV title's in the mix because Luger's got that at this moment in time. He has. All the belts are on the line, which basically means it's going to be a schmoz clusterfuck DQ finish, obviously. It, it also makes Jimmy Hart the smartest manager in sports because he's, basically... he's got one on each side. Well, not, no, not just that, but his main charge, I suppose you could say, looking at recent things, the Giant, is not putting anything on the line. He has mm. nothing to lose and everything to gain. Unfortunately, what he would gain true. is about £200 in the next couple of years. Because <laughs> because when he was at this 95-96 shape, he was fucking awesome. Oh, he was phenomenal. So, Duggan has started out pretty... Uh, the proverbial house of fire. <laughs> yeah, pretty heavy duty on Meng there, who is sporting a tremendous mullet. As ever. I wish he didn't get rid of that lumberjack outfit he had on for the actual lumberjack match. Oh, that was tremendous. The world's, the world's only Tongan lumberjack. Or that great big ridiculous mask he wore on an early episode of Nitro. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, more oh. tranny bashing. Yeah. Transphobic Eric Bischoff. And you referenced at the last watch long about the whole Goldust and Savio Vega title controversy. And he, he basically said, yeah, Goldust got his belt back from Vega. No big deal. Yeah. It was a different time. Different time. So, yeah, he's still, we're still hyping this main event. All the belts... Yeah, so Flair could become the world tag champion to go with his world title. But you're absolutely right, Liam. The only person who hasn't got anything to lose is the Giant. I'm calling it now. 
Randy Savage would interfere in the match to cause a title-saving DQ. He has kind of foreshadowed that, to be fair. He, he threatened to bring WCW crashing down for trying um, to put a leash on yeah. him. And blow up City Hall, wherever that may be. Because, you know, you don't put Baby in the corner. No. Oh, and apparently, he just, Bischoff just said the Hulkster will be back on Nitro pretty soon. But he wouldn't be. Not for he, a good few he months. He wouldn't be, yeah, thankfully. I mean, let's be honest, he has officially run out of people to trounce in a mindless fashion. But does this also mean that we're not going to see Kevin Sullivan dress as an old lady any longer? Oh, don't say that. Please, please say it ain't so. Maybe, is he on Cameo yet? Maybe we could get him to do a Cameo for, for the podcast dressed as, as an, an old, old lady. lady. Specialist website. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan dressed as a granny.com. Yeah. <laughs> Total subscribers, too. Onlyfans.com slash Kevin Sullivan dresses a granny. Ah, oh, Duggan just went for a headbutt on Meng. But of course, because in wrestling, all Polynesian people have, have hard heads, Duggan came off worse. That is one of the great like, offensive stereotypes of, of days gone by, isn't it? I can just imagine the conversation backstage. They say, right, you, I don't want you to sell any offence that goes to your head. And uh, Don't you think that's a little bit offensive to my people and stereotypical? We're like, well, you don't have to sell half the time. They're like, okay, when do I start? Yeah, but it does mean that we'll twat you over the head with a steel chair and you've just got to take it. True, true. But then it was a different time and everyone was stupidly taking chair shots to the head. Very true. Were you yawning Very or true. mocking me? I was yawning. I do That's beg your right. pardon. Remember, everyone, this is, Nitro this is unedited. Yep. This, is, this is live as live can be, folks. This is Badil and Skinner unplanned, only nowhere yeah. near as funny. Over but, on the other podcast, which was taped two weeks ago. Yeah, they, they, they talked about paedophiles. It was boring. Don't watch, yeah, don't listen don't to want... don't listen to that rival podcast. Listen to us. So we got the old nerve hold and putting the arm up and down twice and you know the routine. This is this is basically classic WWF TV match with two yeah. WWF veterans. Big elbow from Meng which misses. I've got I've got to say it's uh I think we might need the main event just to secure the pass for this episode. Mm. I mean, this isn't terrible, but I've got no interest I'd... in watching it. <laughs> no, I would like to have a clean finish because so far we haven't had a clean finish in either of the matches and we're not going to get one in the main event. That's guaranteed. I, I think see, Duggan's getting ready for the three-point stance. This brings up an interesting point. Do you not consider a heel winning by holding onto the ropes a clean finish? Well, it's not a clean finish, is it? By the very not, nature, they hold on to the ropes. But it's not the sort of gimmickry that actually, if we're talking about it from a from a outside looking in, you know, no fourth wall required. Uh, oh, Duggan's got the two by four. But uh, if we're looking like that, it's it's kind of it's not like having loads of people run in and get involved, is it? Oh, I think we might have a finish here. Oh, no, his foot's on the ropes. It, it isn't the same as, as having a load of people run in, but it's still it's still a, a way, you know, it's a, a, a win with an asterisk that protects the baby face. Yeah, so I suppose it depends on the context in which you're looking at it, but where we're looking at, like, we want satisfactory finishes, I'd, I'd argue it was a satisfactory finish. It's not like we were robbed. We, we watched two, oh, it was, yeah, it was two guys have a good match on TV. And they they have given us reason for oh it was it was a satisfactory finish but it wasn't clean just like that wasn't I mean it's still it's again this is a weird such a weird finish that suddenly putting a bit of tape around your wrist makes it as if you've got a knuckle duster on yeah speaking of unsatisfactory finishes the uh, virtuous yeah. babyface has just he he's done the sort of multi-dimensional cheating that Eddie Guerrero would do so well in later years. 
with the two by four and the, and the tape fierce. Oh my god! So there's an unsatisfactory finish. That's a, I feel like we could have a podcast just about that matter alone because it's interesting. It's, depending on the way you look in the context, you could define a clean finish in a in a number of ways, I suppose. Hold my calls. Mean Gene is back with another draw for the uh, Lethal Lottery. Oh, we've we've had a few more names that weren't drawn live. Alex Wright and Disco Inferno, the Earl Robert Eaton and Dirty Dick Slater. Is this the first teaming of the Dancing Fools? I think it will be. Oh, here's Mean Gene asking if they've got anything planned for after the show. Herculean effort from Mean Gene. He made it until the second segment with these girls before he really letched it up. That is that is a great showing from Gino. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping that we've got four envelopes left. Are you are you suggesting that this is not on the up and up? Well, you know. Lord Stephen Regal. Dare I even hint that this may not be a genuine draw? Oh, oh look at he's, that. Teaming, he's teaming with the Belfast Bruiser, his old historic rival, and the man he's facing on Saturday night. What a coinkydink. I'm guessing there may be a big name in this draw as well, which is why it wasn't one of the ones that was done mysteriously backstage. Yeah. Oh, no, it's just VK Wall Street. <laughs> There is one more name. Oh, my God. The nervous laughter on the girls. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street against Regal and Finlay. Blink twice, ladies. If you. They look extremely uncomfortable. It was a different time, Liam. Oh, main event time. Yeah. So it's the Giant and Ric Flair, the world champion, against the tag team champions, Sting and Lex Luger. And Luger, of course, is also the TV champion. So uh, what is the deal between Sting and Lex Luger, Dean? Well, it's hard to say, Liam. Apparently, according to Bischoff, the C in WCW stands for commitment, which is news to me. So it's World Commitment Wrestling. Well, it will be three years from now in the timeline when they commit Ric Flair as WCW president. <laughs> oh, I did enjoy that. That was It was daft as, as anything, but I did enjoy that. If we're going to ask what the deal is with any given tag team, surely it'll be the duo walking out right now, Flair and the Giant, given that they have uh, fallen out and made back up. I don't know how many times. If we're to to also include the Horseman Dungeon of Doom makeup and breakups in general, it's a a lot of on-off, 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 on-off. So we've got a plentiful entourage. We've got woman, we've got Elizabeth, we've got Jimmy Hart, and there at ringside is Deborah McMichael again, and a man with a beard and another tremendous mullet, and a poor police officer trying to hold the baying mob back. Yeah. De- Deborah's looking increasingly fed up with like each week she does this, whereas yeah. Flair, Flair's doing more and more. This time he actually took her hand and kissed it. So he's turning the screw, and there's a threat from Mongo. So I mean, on the pacing front, they're they're doing they're doing a good week by week story here and building it up. I woman, like woman looks pensive. Story. Oh, here's Savage. Oh, Savage here already. I was going to say, woman looks and pensive, like she can't artery. wait to cheat. But Savage is uh, Elizabeth really... <laughs> reacting in any way at all? I, I strongly doubt it. But at least yeah. it's not her job to put the handcuffs on this time. I the, was just the about to say, arresting. yeah, I was just about to say, watch, <laughs> watch and learn, Liz, watch and learn. Flair, Flair is stamping on Savage's head while he's being handcuffed by cops. It's tremendous. <laughs> he is such a dirtbag. Absolutely tremendous. <laughs> Stamping on his head while he's being arrested and 
can't defend himself. If they had in early '96, if they had made Nitro a solid hour of Ric Flair and woman just cheating in various ways, I feel like they would have won the ratings war a lot sooner. And he's now back over to Deborah to just do a bicep pose in front of her. And that poor lady who was just harassed by Mean Gene is holding the holding Flair's robe. You think of Flair's Flair Flair has gone into full full on shit housery mode, hasn't oh, he? Well, yeah, he's, that that phrase is a lot more common now and it's perfect for him in his situation. I was just gonna say, like, the big reputation he has in retrospect as the dirtiest player in the game. Uh, and people think of, you know, the the cheating, the clipping the legs, the pulling the ropes, the pulling the tights. All well and good, because he was great at all that stuff. But it's easy to forget the, just the little things he did. He, he, he wasn't just dirty from bell to bell. Oh, yeah. Now, Luger's come out full-blown babyface, slapping hands, and he's only got the tag belt with him. He hasn't got the TV title on around his waist. If... If there is no intriguing interaction between Luger and Jimmy Hart, I, I may have to call time of death on one of WCW's better storylines. That let's face it, Dean, it, it was great despite WCW. If we ever did a despite WCW podcast, <laughs> because because all the commentators could ever fucking ask is what's the deal with Luger and Sting, because they have no nuance, no depth. No brains, and that they would just drop it one week, bring it back the next, and as we know, pretty much around Slamber in the Great American Bash, it's done. He is yeah. indeed a full cut babyface. So now, um, hmm. yeah, definitely. Now Sting, Sting has got what we would now call lockdown hair. He's clearly he's growing his hair out, and it is at that awkward stage where it's. Too long for one style and not long enough for another style. And it's definitely lockdown hair. Well, it's definitely not I know I'm going to be the crow hair. Because there's yes. no way those W were that for. And, you know, around this time, I'm sure Bischoff was starting to think, OK, Hall and Nash are going to show up in a month and I want them to invade. What, yeah. He's probably thinking, how, what can I do without getting a lawsuit? How how can I insinuate, etc., etc.? But I don't think they're crow sting ahead in the in the planning no. stakes for sure. No, and I think that's also why Luger is going to be uh, your full blown babyface as Ric Flair takes his first press slam of the match, um, because you know we we want Luger as a babyface to be taking on Hall and Nash. Absolutely, and and the 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 Luger Giant is a is a fresh pay per view matchup. Uh, so I, I, looking forward to that. I believe that's the Great American Bash. But you've got so much storytelling to do with Jimmy Hart and all that. And are they going to just drop it? Mm. Do you know something else I've just noticed, which is interesting? Mm. I haven't seen any planted Hulk Hogan merchandise in the front couple of rows. Well, if he's not now, there to whine gone. about people not wearing his merch, I suppose you, you don't feel so incentivized to throw a bunch yeah. of it out to the first few rows. But, but I think that's probably a, a sign that he's um, he's gone for a good while. Well, if he's actually on a set filming, he's not going to be going, they should be true for me, brother. I'm the star, brother. Yeah, but, you know, when uh, Poochie's not in the room. <laughs> after after flexing his, you know, modest muscles compared to the other guys on the roster. Flair Second press turned, Yep, and Flair turned around and watched Lugar posing and sold it like he was being hit. He's on the good cocaine tonight, Dane. Oh, he's he even coming down the aisle. He was he was on one. He's, this this is a masterclass in, in exactly what Ric Flair is and what Ric Flair does. And don't forget, of course, if Flair gets pinned, he loses the world title, which does make me wonder why the Giant wouldn't just want to try and pin his own tag team partner. And I've got to say as well, Sting's on fire tonight. He is he is. The offense is 
is high energy and crisp. Yeah, it's worrying that, like, I suppose worrying is the wrong term, but it, it, it speaks volumes that Flair and Sting, during this time, before they got too old, obviously, but Flair and Sting on autopilot mm. could still put something together over 10, 15 minutes that would rank on year-end lists. I mean, so far, I've got to say, this this match is, is putting this episode of Nitro into the past category. Oh, I mean, the only the only thing that I haven't thoroughly enjoyed about this hour of wrestling was Doug and Meng. And you know what? We've seen so much worse than that Doug and Meng match. If, well, if that, the rule was... That Hogan handicap match last week. If if the, yeah exactly if the rule was right you're gonna have a great episode but you only had three out of four of the matches to be really good I would say can I have Doug and Meng as the as the rubbish one please you know, yeah I'd see that as a way of of doing damage control I'd I'd take mediocre dragged out a bit too long a bit blah over something actively offensive like as you said that fucking Hogan mess. Oh, here comes. Woman. Oh, here comes woman. Sorry. Ah, Same so thought. you got you got a bit confused, didn't you? When you were wondering which woman was coming over, which of his two valets was coming over, a woman and uh, Elizabeth. Well, Dean, it is the one who's actually getting involved and doing something. So by process of elimination, it was woman. It's got to be woman. And now giant is just standing on the chest of Sting and then tags out to Flair. And why wouldn't he? He wants the giant wants to say fresh. Yeah. And Flair, who's been tagged in against a weakened opponent, his first move is a strike. I love that. <laughs> what better way to say, yeah, I've got him. <laughs> He's taking forever to set up a suplex, which is genius because you can slow it down and it's it's believable, yeah. isn't it? Oh, Sting has no sold the suplex. Flair hasn't realised that. Oh, we got some hot coffee we've just seen. This is, this is like a greatest hits, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's it's the old favourites, absolutely. But do you know what? I, I just, I never get bored of watching Ric Flair being Ric Flair. Absolutely. Whether... Whether something is good or not is ultimately it's the difference between the old classics and the same old shit. That is the difference maker. If it's enjoyable, oh. it's a it's a positive vibe. Oh wow! Nice. Not to see that a chop block off no. the top rope. That's an interesting. Sting onto the giant. Yeah, and another one. Because you're clipping and someone's kind of, knee. It makes. Yeah. With all the force of it a double axe handle. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense, but they still can't get the Giants to let go of his grip on a... Finally, they do now. Getting the Giants to let go of his grip on um, Luger for the choke slam. Jimmy Hart's just uh, been been punched off the apron. Giant tumbled, literally just fell like a tree. And now Flair is begging off and just going nuts whilst being given a cup of coffee from behind his back. Here comes the giant. Oh, you see what's going to happen here, don't you, Dean? Yeah. <laughs> the coffee straight in the giant's eyes. Stinger Luger have left the ring. They're like, oh, why would oh, we want to be in there? We've had uh, we've we've had uh, a disqualification. The referee has DQ'd Flair for throwing coffee in the giant's eyes. So Flair also saves his title. So I'm disappointed to report that there was absolutely zero interaction between Luger and Hart. I, I, I think the storyline's done, Dean. But yeah, the, uh, it is. that's the one negative because that, that was a very fun match, even with a non-finish. Because... I mean, it's not been a good night for finishes, but it's certainly been an entertaining night between uh, a great match between Benoit and Guerrero, an always entertaining Ric Flair main event, Oh, Flair's now back out again with a towel to try and uh, 
and he's begging for forgiveness from the giant as Mean and Gene he, gets into the Yep, he's known shit-stirrer Mean Gene Oakland. Oh, are they, are they going to fall out for the 53rd time? Yeah, this would have more of an impact if they hadn't like fought and made up and fought and made up so many times. So Flair's left before he can get slaughtered. And uh, Mean Gene's going to get the, the wrap-up on this. <laughs> Shouty giant. I think it sounds like Flair's trying to interrupt the promo. Yeah. But he said he said the coffee burned, but it lit a fire under me. Flair's got the mic and the broadcast position. He tried to apologise. And now Flair's <laughs> From the safety of the commentary position on the other side of the arena. <laughs> he's got he's gonna kick the giant's big ass and so the giant's chased after him and he's legged it. Flair just with before the words have even come out of his mouth, just yeah, just gets the hell out of there. Rick Rick Flair tonight was a one man hour of television. One man display of shit housery as as Bobby Heenan literally hiding behind the desk. And the the majority of the rest of the show was pretty good as well. But yeah, he, also Mongo has now taken the uh, glasses, the comedy glasses off of that poor dog, who I don't think he looks any any worse for uh, the ordeal. Oh, Bischoff has got in his headset about Rob Garner. They are going to have the world title on the line next week on Nitro, apparently. April 29th is indeed the date, so it looks like we've arrived at a pretty seminal episode on our next watch-along, Dean. Which will, um, which will be um, up against, I believe, another taped Raw. Oh no, it's a live roar. That's why that there makes you go. more sense. It's a live roar. Bischoff's still acting like he's listening to information. I don't know if he's got an announcement. Meanwhile, Bobby's just going on about Ric Flair uh, making bad decisions because now he's got mm. an extremely angry, slightly burned giant chasing after him. So, yep, next week. World heavyweight title on the line. Maybe that's what he was getting confirmation of. But Flair accepted yep. it while being all big and tough from <laughs> from afar. Yeah. So, so next week we've got um, Luger and Sting uh, defending the tag belts against Harlem Heat, which we're already seeing on Saturday night. So you can imagine that's a rematch from Saturday night. Um, and we've got a parking lot brawl between Regal and Finley. So um, oh, ahead of can... their teaming up. So we've got a hell of a, um, a hell of a. Can a we? Shot. Can we just do the next episode now? <laughs> and I'll tell you what. Um, I'm I'm very happy with what we had tonight. It's it's interesting that you said, Dean, about uh, the finishes being the one area that left a lot to be desired. It's funny. We've just had an hour. I think we can both agree that was. Maybe one of the better nitros we've covered so far. And we've done... How many have we done now? Is this 30... 32? This is episode 32 yeah. of Nitro. So, given that there was 300 in total, we're still quite early on. But that was one of the better episodes, I thought. And have you noticed that there has been a bit of a, a discussion, debate on social media that, you know, because a lot of wrestling fans get ridiculously tribal about all elite wrestling and dynamite and yeah, whether yeah. or not they're doing a good job and and you know whatever you think of dave Meltzer, dave Meltzer has been posting these the actual data and statistics to say look they're very happy with this they're breaking records there everything's going pretty well they're happy with what they're doing 
and people go oh, no, this. and and there's become there's become this big thing at the moment the current rink is is that there are too many silly finishes on the matches on the TV show and not only did someone point out that there's actually only been um I think there's only been like five non-finishes in a year of dynamite apparently which is quite impressive okay. but but you take this example where we've had you know tag team match opener no proper finish uh yeah as we said mileage will vary but he it was it was a cheat to win in the second match it was a cheat to win in the third match and it was thrown out so so two two cheat finishes um two thrown out matches and yet that was a yeah. fantastic hour of television because if you deliver when you're behind the paywall and you're you're telling a consistent story, you know the Sting Luger thing gets my goat. But if you're if you're telling a progressive story, which they are on some fronts, Flair Giant, Flair and Deborah, you know there's a few things going on. The the public and the tag rank seems to be going all right after being a bit weird at times. Yeah. So it, as as long as you're keeping it ticking over, no, I don't think you need to deliver four star matches or or match finishes. It's yeah, it's it's about entertainment, and I mean that tag match wasn't the wasn't the best tag match you're ever going to see in your life, but it entertained, and, and we knew what was going to happen half the time. But we we've said this before about other Ric Flair matches. Flair at this point in time is so good at what he's doing, is so comfortable in his own skin that he is just entertaining from start to finish. And uh, you know, just just tremendous stuff, and you know, booting, booting Savage in the head while he's being arrested, and calling out the giant, and then fleeing within seconds. It's brilliant stuff, and you know, it's all leading up to you wanting to see Ric Flair getting his comeuppance. And now you, now you're going to tune in. The idea is you're going to tune in next week, not worry about what the live roar is. You want to tune in to see Ric Flair defend his title against the giant to see if he loses it or not. Yeah, and it's technically it's a hill hill match, but it's it's threatening to be a pretty fluid transition from one hill to another, which doesn't happen often. And obviously they're going from their 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 old faithful, their reliable workhorse Flair, who as we said he's brilliant, but they're always looking to make new stars. Flair knows how to at least try to make new stars, and this is this is going to be the moment after they had that. You remember that title match from a few episodes ago? They had that title match and it was a non-finish. But everything about that first match was like, you know, the giant looked the business and Flair really helped with that. So mm. we did ask, would that lead to them doing it again, but putting the pulling the trigger on it, you could say. So yeah. ne- next week we'll get into more detail on that. But it's yeah. interesting how they're making the hill hill transition work. I- and and also we'll get into more detail next week because I I like the fact that we've got a heel via heel for the world title because it just makes the world title look more legit. But we'll we'll talk about that on the next time we do uh, the next episode of Nitro Watch Along. Um, but we uh, yeah we will we'll be back all going well. We'll be back with a pay-per-view review very shortly in time for Halloween. Um, If you do like what you are hearing, please do subscribe. Please do spread the word on social media. We've had some lovely comments from people. Um, Someone recently just said that they'd listened to our tribute to Big Van Vader, which I think we recorded about two years ago. But yeah, once they're out there, they're out there for people to watch whenever they want to, to listen to whenever they want to. So always appreciate uh, good feedback from people but you can reach us on twitter at because wcw facebook.com forward slash because wcw um you can subscribe as i said all of our back catalogue is on because wcw.podbean.com but you can also find us um in all the good places that you get your podcasts from so um we will wrap it up for, for this episode thank you very much for down for downloading us we'll be back very soon so on behalf of liam hat this has been the twisted genius saying thanks for listening and i'll see you ringside